The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Uh, Wonderful to be talking with you again for uh, yet another week on the Business Elevation Show. And I'm so pleased today. I'm going to be talking about Make Your Choice, More Profitability with More Employee Engagement and Happiness with Paul Tavell Stenter. And a topic that I, I love, I love um, for me, um, engagement is something that my business is very much about these days. And uh, I think more happiness in the workplace um, generates more more revenue, more opportunity, uh, people staying longer in their jobs. So really looking forward to talking to Paul about that. Before we do that, though, um, I just want to um, apologize. Uh, last week, I had a family emergency. My wife became very ill um, with an unexpected illness a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I had about 10 days in hospital. So I'm um, pleased to say it's an improving picture. Uh, but I suddenly had to become mum and dad to our two boys and therefore manage what turned out to be quite a, a uh, media um, or uh, situation when I put a note on Facebook and suddenly I had um, 125 uh, uh, comments and people contacting me offering help and support, which was fantastic. Um, but I really did have to think about um, how I engage with them and my wife and, and manage that situation forward. So I apologize for not bringing you the show with Eamon O'Brien, and uh, that will be re- rearranged soon. I also want to say a big thank you to the boardroom poet Libby Wagner, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago. Um, an absolutely fascinating guest. Uh, Libby is a great poet. We discussed using 90,000 hours of of your business life well and how to do that. Um, She also uh, added to the program through sharing some of her very inspirational poetry. Um, I would really recommend that you listen to that show. Um, As I would, the show I repeated last week, which was uh, with elite cellist Stephanie Winters on Listening, which is another show that I, I thoroughly enjoyed and found very, very engaging. So, If you're interested in listening more in business, um, really worth listening to that one. So let's talk about today's show. According to the Gallup Engagement Index, a staggering 87% of employees worldwide are not engaged at work. With a backdrop today of a world where we seem to have a crisis of engagement, uh, disengagement within organizations is also very serious and has potentially long-lasting repercussions. As someone myself who's very passionate about engagement, I wanted to introduce to you a fellow engagement expert, Paul Tabell Stenter, who's based in Holland. In fact, he's, he's Dutch, which you may guess from the name. Uh, Paul is an internationally sought-after employability expert and wealth health architect. And for more than 20 years, he's been in the speaking, consulting and training business for executive HR directors and employees. Uh, Paul works on both sides, employer and employees, to create work happiness and loyalty. His concept is based on finding the non-negotiables and the core values of the individual as well as the company. 
and his background was a consulting career at Sovac and Capgemini in the field of social security and labour law. He's a professional speaker, strategic advisor, strategist, as well as a vision and healthy workplace specialist. He's a guest lecturer at the University of Maastricht. Uh, Paul's recognised as a certified speaking professional. In fact, um, today he should have been in, in Phoenix, actually, as the treasurer, treasurer of the Global Speaking Federation. Um, he's also um, a CSP by the Professional Speakers of Australia, and like myself, a fellow of the Professional Speaking Association in the UK. So, a wonderful privilege to welcome uh, Paul to Val Stenter. Thank you. <laughs> Paul, uh, how are you? I'm doing fine. I love it to be on your show and to talk with you about uh, our favourite topic, uh, employee engagement. Absolutely. It's so great to have you here today. And I just want to start because you're from Holland, I think you're actually our first guest, and I think we're at episode 211 now, uh, from Holland, or, or is Dutch, so I think as the first guest we've ever had on the show, I'd just like to ask you, you know, what's unique about Holland, and what's it like to live in Holland, and be brought up there? Oh, um, it's very nice uh, to live in Holland, or the Netherlands as we call it, it's uh, flat, we have a lot of rain, like the UK, um, but on on. The, the big side of living here, it's, it's about tolerance. For many centuries, we were inviting a lot of people to come to our country and learn from them and be business-oriented and sailing across the globe to earn money. But I think like a lot of countries the last five to ten years, we are more strict in who we want to invite in our country. So tolerance is going down a little bit in our country. And that's what worries uh, me and a lot of people, of course. Uh, of course, we, with the United Kingdom and Brexit, I mean, that, yeah. that's probably not added to the feelings of, uh, of tolerance, I guess. No, it's, it's an issue. And uh, we call already, uh, we have the name Nexit. Are we the next really? to exit as the Netherlands? And uh, I think it will be a disaster to do so because we are a small country. We are completely depending on international trade. So we have tulips, windmills, wooden shoes and bicycles, but you can't survive on them. So we need something more. Mm. It really is a big sort of step on, into the unknown. Um, I suppose I think one of the, one of the uh, pluses that were put forward for this country was the ability to trade with uh, companies that are growing faster around the world that don't yep. sit within the EU. Um, you know, personally, I wanted to remain and felt very uncomfortable with the situation. But um, I guess now we have to. We'll, we shall find out. <laughs> oh, yeah. we, we will survive, all of us. We will. We will. Yeah, absolutely. Like right. So, what was what was life like growing for you and up for you in Holland, and uh, and what got you interested in this area of engagement? Oh, I, I, I grew up in, in, in a nice town uh, in the midst of the Netherlands and in the midst of the 60s. And that, that was a nice period of time because you had a lot of freedom. It was quiet and we didn't have much. So we played outside all the time with friends and I have still friends from that period. Uh, so I had a, a great youth uh, with four sisters and three brothers, so a big family. Um, wow. I really enjoyed that time, and I was the first one to study, and I studied law uh, for four years. Um, became a lawyer on Social Security, 
And later on, I worked for an uh, healthcare insurance organization, so a little bit like Obamacare now in the U.S. Uh, and I have a lot of discussion with my friends in the U.S. about Obamacare and how happy we are that we have that kind of, uh, of systems uh, in our country. Uh, and later on, I, I started uh, focusing on uh, consultancy. But what I learned was that I was always talking about curation. So someone gets unemployed, gets, gets disabled, what can we do for them? And I think about 15, 20 years ago, I, I thought, why are we looking at the minorities that have something, um, and we should help them, of course, but can't we use more prevention and look at the majority of people and how can we help the people to stay healthy, to stay at work, to um, keep them working for a longer period? Because when I started, you could end your working career at 57 and now it's 67 and going up to 70. So we have to stay healthy and work much longer. So we need to do something on the positive side of uh, social security instead of staying on the back side, as I call it. I think that's a really interesting point in that we do uh, tend to work longer these days. So I mean, in terms of keeping yourself healthy and well and having a good life, it's, it helps if you're doing work that you're happy with and enjoy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. For me, fun is a fundamental issue. So I, I think that we we need more to be aware of what what we feel in our heart that is really making us happy. And of course, not all days are happy days, but you need to focus on what you want to achieve. And uh, being happy is one of the most important parts. Um, uh, being healthy is important, but being happy is even more important, I think. I'm just looking at I'm just looking and, and smiling at your very nice photo on Skype because I obviously look at a lot of photos on Skype, particularly with doing this show. And you're sitting there looking very happy with your nice little dog. Um, it's a, it's really has made me smile looking at that. Well, that that picture was taken for an article uh, for one of the biggest uh, health insurance companies in Europe, and they said, "Oh, we don't want you uh, alone on the picture." I said, "Oh." I will ask my dog to join me. So we made some f nice photos with, with a small dog. And when it makes you happy, that's, that's good. Because, uh, my, my, my dog, unfortunately, is, is probably um, almost as big as me. So <laughs> I would disappear in the face. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> big labadoodle. So in, in 2014, I, I'd just like to chat about this first because I think it's really um, an interesting thing to do. You walked to Camino de Santiago, which is a 500-mile pilgrimage to Santiago yeah. in Spain. Yeah. What did you gain from that experience and how did that deepen your appreciation of the importance of engagement and happiness? Yeah, uh, well, the, the, the thing was I didn't know why I wanted to walk the Camino and I started in the, in the south of France in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port and then you have to cross the pyramids the first day and, well, that's not easy. Um, you know that from the Tour de France, you, you, you can see how it, how it is. Um, and then after two days, then, then you come on a flat surface in, in Spain and it's much easier. 
And I thought, well, walking the Camino will help me to find my non-negotiables, to help me find what I really want to do in life. And I must disappoint you, the most important part of walking daily is that you don't think anymore. You just walk and it gives you a lot of peace and it, it creates a distance from what we call normal life. So for me, it was very important to do so. And I, I always tell people, if I have the opportunity to go tomorrow, I will. And not because I don't like my life, but because of the experience. Because you are connected with millions of travelers on the Camino during 1,200 years. So you're walking there and you know that millions have walked the same route, that they've walked the same way. Mm. And that's amazing. And you meet different people. And I didn't have a phone. I didn't have uh, an iPad with me. Uh, I was just walking and connecting to people. And that's, that's amazing. And it gives you a lot of peace and rest, not only in your mind, but also in your body. Because 24, 25 kilometers, 18 miles is doable a day because you have all day and there is nothing else to do. So... For me, it was amazing to feel what is important in my life. Um, well, I have some non-negotiables or core values uh, because of it, but the awareness of them came later on. Mm. So walking the Camino was just peace. So you've got a meditative experience. There's something, there's something kind of unique, I think, about actually doing something like that on your own, which I think is quite quite brave um, i remember having finding myself with a gap between starting and leaving one job and i just basically took up a rucksack and took a flight out to the far east and traveled on my own for three weeks and i never ever felt alone that's the point i felt more connected in those three weeks than i probably you know ever had up until that point really yeah yeah i i, I say the same when i walk the camino alone but you are never alone and that's the point. There are people walking there, but you have the connection with generations of Camino walkers and pilgrims from all over the world. And that, that's what it makes amazing to do. And it's, it's not dangerous to walk in Spain. Not really. Mm. So that's, that, it's good to be there. And there's a lovely parallel there, that connection that you just talked about with, with people, but also with the history of the Camino, yeah, um, and you you kind of refer to engagement as the hidden workforce, and yeah. within a, within an organisation, and I think you know those words of connection, and for some organisations that have been going around, we've been going for a little bit history, is is quite special. So do you want to talk a little bit about the hidden workforce and what it means to you? Yeah, well. As you said in the introduction, 88% uh, of the employees are not engaged. And uh, I, I always make a, a, a picture of it with a carriage. And then it means that um, only 12% of the people are in front of the carriage and they are pulling it. And you have people on the carriage and you have mm -hmm. about the, self amount, the same amount of people in the back of the carriage, holding the carriage back. So you can't move anymore if you have the same um, 
percentage in front and behind. So a lot of people are on the carrot just waiting for some fun, some positive emotion and they're satisfied with the job they're having. They go there at 8 a.m. and they leave at 4 p.m. and they're happy and they have fun at home and a lot of things to do but they aren't really engaged and I think we don't need 100% fully engaged people. We need about 40% or 35% like in the U.S. That would help enormously to um, improve the power of organizations. So what I mean with a hidden workforce are the people on the carriage and they are waiting for that sparkle of fun or emotion to get more engaged. Yeah, and then I guess you've got those people who are actually holding the organization back who perhaps there's a question whether they are in the right place at all because uh, if, they, if they, they literally stop the carriage or I, I, use, I use that an example like that but I, I, because I quite like, I like football, I use football and you know, those people are almost the ones who are trying to, trying to score a home goal. <laughs> yeah, and we saw that the European Championship, that happens. Yeah. But if, if you do it... On purpose, that's different than when it happens. Mm. Just, that's, that's the big difference. So people are really, and that's about 10% worldwide, are really stopping the organization. And most of the time, we pay the most time and effort on those people. And I think we should focus on the people who are on the front end of the carrots and who want to be engaged and help the organization to go forward. So... Instead of looking at the back and being unhappy with those people, try to focus on the ones who want to be in front of it. Hey, so we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the commercial break, we'll start to to look at engagement and a bit more deeper level, and we'll, we'll talk about things like the ABC of engagement, which are some key principles that we need to consider when we're building engaged uh, organizations and workplaces. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Paul Tavell Stenter. We're talking about uh, employee engagement and happiness. And what during the break, uh, Paul and I were talking about uh, Paul's pilgrimage to Santiago in Spain, and he was explaining to me uh, about uh, about pilgrimage and where that particular one came from. I just thought that would be quite interesting for you just to explain, Paul. I hadn't realised that it was a punishment in the past. Yeah, for when you you made a sin, the Roman Catholic Church could uh, give you a punishment, and that was walk to Santiago. And wherever you were in Europe, you had to walk all the way to Santiago, and and you had to walk back again as well because they didn't have a train or a plane to uh, to get away. So it was a real punishment, but it had a positive side because you started a better life. You become much more aware of your role and your position in society. And that was the main goal of walking the Camino and being a pilgrimage, uh, being a pilgrim, start over again. And I think that's that's what we need to do. A lot of people aren't happy, and we need to help them to restart and start a new life and a better life for them. Mm. There's something in exercise as well, isn't there? I, I this this last week I've been out cycle cycled nearly every morning. In fact, I cycled twice yesterday, and uh, as a consequence of that, I feel much more. And I knew I needed to do that as a bit of a healing process, actually, from uh, you know a couple of challenging weeks that I that I mentioned to yeah. get out there with my thoughts and uh, and. And it really does help, doesn't it? That physical aspect of doing something rather than sitting on your your butt, really. Yeah. Well, we, we all know, and I'm I'm not uh, uh, someone who knows a lot about medicine, but what we know is that the brain is giving positive impulses when you are walking or running for more than thirty, forty minutes, and it helps you to. Um, decrease the stress in your body so the more you walk the more you exercise the better it is to reduce stress and that's that's what we need uh, need nowadays so i think we are focusing too much on being in an office or being at work and we need to spend more time outside so maybe pokemon go is positive in that way <laughs> so what what do you see in an organization when engagement is present what are the benefits uh, well, the, the, the benefits are that, that people um, suffer less from work stress. Uh, when they get more positive feedback, they will have more work pleasure, more fun. Uh, and that's a different word for engagement. What we also see that productivity will rise. And with that, the profitability, of course, of the organization. And what we see as well, that absenteeism and presenteeism is going down largely. Mm -hmm. So 
it will decrease with about 25%. And that's, that's amazing. So I think we, we focus a lot on the negative side, as I said at the beginning. We are focusing on absenteeism, on sick leave and that kind of stuff. But we know, for example, that sick leave is medical for only 2% in an organization and the rest has to do with culture. Yes. With the unwritten ground rules of the organization. And when people don't feel happy, they will suffer more from stress and stress can become an illness. And then they go on sick leave and they stay away for a long time. So we have to prevent it. Mm. So health promotion is for me, I've made a pyramid and on the bottom is absenteeism and presenteeism. Presenteeism is I'm at work but I'm not performing yeah. the way we should do. And uh, studies in, in Australia shows that it's five times higher than the absenteeism rate. So that's, that's really enormous. So I can be there but I'm not really focused, I don't do my work. So in my pyramid, that's the bottom. Then you have to work on prevention and health promotion. Then you focus on employability. How can I help you to stay in the right job at the right time? Then engagement. And, and the top is accountability. How can we get people to be accountable for what they stand for and what they really believe and what they are going to do? And are we talking about it? That's that's the most important part. So. The profit of engagement is open communication and with openness, stress will go down because most of the time it's because of the relation with the team or with the manager. I think that's largely the problem. Yes, yes. And I'm kind of interested, you know, in I talk about uh, there's a return on engagement, you know, financial people looking at return on investment. and. Yes. It's it's similar. There is a return on investment from your people if you want to look at it on financial terms. And there's a statistic I like that 43% more revenue is generated by people who are you know, highly engaged in their jobs. Yeah. Um, but why, in your opinion, do some leaders just not open up to this idea of engagement? Uh, I, I think, I think in a, what I see in a lot of organizations is that a lot of leaders or managers, as I call them, are not trained to be open to uh, something like work happiness or engagement. Uh, we are st still focused on the way Taylor taught us to look at organizations. We still, uh, still have the CEO in top and we have the workers somewhere at the bottom. And I think we should try to see them as the professionals who are really doing the job for us and we have to train them and help them to be more in the role of a professional. So we, we have to stop uh, focusing on control because control for me is a reflex of fear. Yes. So I don't trust you and that's why I'm controlling you, I'm looking at you and then we become a spreadsheet manager as I call them instead of a facilitator. So for me, a leader is someone who facilitates someone and helps him to find an answer to the question, how can I help you to be happy in your job in three years' time? Yes. So it's not a control and it's not about how did you do your work last year because that's most of the time the discussion we have. And 
I don't mind what you did because then we had a discussion already. But I want to talk with you about the future and how I can facilitate you or help you to be more happy, to be more productive, to maybe change your job and go to another organization and be more happy. Yeah. I think it, com- that, you know, it comes down to the, the sort of Steve, Stephen Covey phrase of seek first to understand before being understood, doesn't that? Because yeah. these answers yeah. will better come from the people in the organization than from yourself as a leader. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that leadership will, will change and that we are thinking about changing, but well, still what we do is we find the best professional and make them the manager. Mm. And I think that's wrong because then we lose the best professional and we have not the best manager. We need someone who is focused on the people, on the professionals, and not on the on the results and on uh, spreadsheets and Excel and and checking and controlling. It's it's about stimulating people to be the professional they want to be. Yes. Yes. And that's quite, that's quite hard for people who are in, in that mindset of detail and finance and numbers and not, not often don't flex their people. Yeah, but uh, what, what I do is in, in organization, we have a tool that we can prove to organization that increasing engagement will have a firm financial profit. So we can prove that whatever you put into people will have a reflect on their productivity so most of the people are afraid yeah if i spend money and they leave and i say well if you don't invest money in people and they stay what is the risk and the risk is higher if you don't invest in people whether it's money or time or effort we have to facilitate people we have to empower them to do what they really want to do and we call it the, the job demand resources model in the Netherlands. And it's published internationally already. And it, it's about creating more energy, more resources from the organization, from the teams. So we inspire people, we help people, give them feedback, give them a tap on the shoulder and say, thank you for what you're doing here. And if you really mean that kind of stuff, it will help the people to get more energy from their work and in combination with their own personal resources, their own energy, it will create much more energy to perform your job and you will be engaged to what you need to do and then job demands won't hurt you anymore. Mm. So, And what you see is a lot of people say, oh, we have too much pressure, there is too much stress and the point is they have less energy. And then we're focusing on the stress, but we're not focusing on how to give them more energy to perform better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was an article that I, I maybe years ago, I cut out of the Harvard Business View, review, and it was called uh, Manage Your Energy, Not Your Time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I remember that being, yeah. it, it had a, quite an impact on me. I've sent it to quite a few clients over the years <laughs> as well, but it makes a makes a huge amount. We do need to manage our energy because we only it's not an infinite resource, the energy of our people. Well, we know now how to measure it, but it's, it's, it's of course difficult, but time management is, again, 
uh, how to control the time people are spending on their emails, on their phone, on, and people, they will try new ways to find time to do stuff we don't want them to do. So it's better to stimulate them and give them the energy. I, I totally agree. Mm. Now you talk, you talk about, I know a model that you created is, is the ABC of engagement. Um, is it really as simple as ABC? Well, when I say it's easy, I don't have a job anymore. So, <laughs> no, it's, 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 of course, it is an ABC. It's, it's, when you talk about it, it's quite easy. But to start with it and to continue it and to keep going with it, that's, that's the hard part because we're human beings and we try to do it different. But for me, ABC is about autonomy uh, it's about belonging to a team and to have the right competencies. And if organization starts working on that, that, that will help. Because competencies, we had a, a research in the Netherlands just a few months ago that only 25% of the employees are doing any training during one year. Only 25%. And when you know that any education has worth in only two or three years and then you have to go on a new training and train yourself in new aspects if only 25 percent of the people are doing it that's not good so you have a lack of competencies and then then it starts really difficult to be in charge be the professional and don't feel the stress because your your information is outdated so you need really hard to, to work on competencies. And I, I see a lot of companies saying, yeah, well, if they want to train this themselves, they have to do it in their own time. Well, do it in company time. Help those people uh, because they will be more productive in the remaining hours. So it's, it's about competencies. It's about autonomy. And autonomy is that, that you feel the uh, ownership for the job you're doing. So really being the professional um, and it, it means also that we have to work more on job crafting you you know the term i think but it's it's adjusting a job to the to the person to what he's capable of instead of trying to fit someone in into a job he doesn't belong yeah. so we have to be looking really at the professional is he good in what he's doing and if there is a, a small part that he's not capable of um, give it that part of the job to someone else i hate to make spreadsheets uh, and work with excel but i have a colleague who loves to work with it so it's easy i don't do it anymore because it takes too much time and more important it gives uh, me less energy it's quite I mean, it's really fundamental and interesting point that and in organizations people particularly if they're career driven uh, they, they often sort of want the next job and the next job and the next job whether it's actually suitable for them or not yeah it, it becomes they, they get onto that treadmill and sometimes it becomes kind of ego related and I, I remember working with one particular professional and he, he wanted to be the head of a division and the challenge was for his employers as they didn't think he was suitable to be the head of that division, but, but he was going to probably leave if he didn't get the job. So I did some coaching with him and I did something, I use a, a system called Talent Dynamics. And what, um, 
what we identified just through doing that was actually about 50% of the job would be strategy. Yeah. Um, yet in his natural flow, he, he had no natural flow in that area of strategy whatsoever. Uh, and when he thought about it, it, he never actually enjoyed thinking about tomorrow or, or planning ahead. He, he loved doing the doing. Yeah. Um, it also required in that job for him to, to bring in sort of new business. Um, but actually what he was good at was managing existing relationships. He was very grounded. And what, what came out of that was we, we then and it was quite quite a shock to him that but he, it it all rang so much true is we actually developed a job and a job description based around him as an individual and he was so thrilled with it and he put it into the company and uh, he 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 basically got the job which was equivalent to the other one but doing something he loved yeah um and the company was delighted because they kept him it yeah. was it was nice and but but initially he felt that he wanted that role more than anything else yeah, but, but that, that, that's always the, the, the big issue. We want something, but we're not sure whether or not it fits us. Mm. And because of the money that it's involved and the power that it gives us and the ego, we want to go there, but we never figure about our why and the why of the organization and does it fit together. Yeah. And if, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, that that makes it a big problem. And that's an issue we don't talk about in organizations. So I think you were doing job crafting in a very good way because it's helping people to stay happy and to stay engaged. So when you, when you, you refer to it as autonomy, uh, that autonomy is, is, is what about is what? How, how do you define it as such? Well, I, I see it most of the time as, as the, the creating the feeling of ownership, that yes. you really own what you're doing. So you're not told to do so, but it's part of you. You really like what you're doing. And most of the time, you're not completely free to do what you like to do. But if you are listened to and people help you to... Uh, to create the job you are really suited for, it will help you. I, I, I know that uh, a hotel chain had um, the housekeeping, and as in all hotels, they worked alone. They started at both ends of the corridor, and then they went to the elevating, working, all cleaning all the rooms. And those people were very unhappy with their job. And then they asked them, what do you want to do? And then they said, well, we want to work together. And then the financial people thought, oh, they will work slower, they will talk more, and they are not ready in time. And after six months, they had proven that they worked harder and the results were much better because they worked together. They mm -hmm. owned that job and they decided what they wanted to do. And now they're doing it in all the hotels, but they asked the housekeeping first, do you want to do your job that way? Yes. So it's about asking people and giving them that responsibility. They are the professionals, even if they are just cleaning rooms. It's not about us who are managing stuff. It's about those people. Can we support them in doing what they are good at? And it will give them so much power and energy that they will work harder. I can, you, can, you can see through that how... You know, we talk, I mentioned that statistic there, 43% more revenue generated by somebody who's engaged in the job. But yeah. you can just see out of that how so much more 
potential can come out of somebody when they understand their why and they feel that deep sense of ownership uh, for their job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as we're playing with people's life energy here, then you know, I think it, as employers, it's our responsibility to make sure that they enjoy their lives and they're happy. And then we, we all benefit, don't we? Yeah, I, I think Simon Sinek and, and others have proven already that, that going from the why, so from the inside to the how and to the what will help us all. But we were never asked to find out what our why is. No. We just think, okay, that's a nice job. Let's do it. And we grow into it and we can earn money staying and getting another job and we go on. And it becomes a rat race most of the time. It does. And when you feel unhappy and you have pressure at home, yeah, we get a burnout. That's, that's the easy result. And I think it's one of the problems we have nowadays because we are all employed working in an organization. And until 100 years ago, people were all self-employed. So they decided what they liked to do and what they were able to. And now with the Industrial Revolution, we came into a situation that we're all working in an organization and they tell us what to do. And that's, that's the main problem. We've got to, go to, to get out of it. We've got to go to commercial break now, but uh, we'll, we'll continue with that and start to talk about a sense of belonging, the, the B yeah. in ABC after the break. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with paul tavel stento we're talking about employee engagement and happiness. Uh, Paul, uh, you have this model ABC, and we talked before the break about autonomy, uh, that's creating that 
feeling of ownership at a deep level from people understanding why and you know where they're in doing the roles that really put them into their personal kind of flow um as i would personally refer to it so the second um, element of abc was uh, was belonging to your team so yep. how do you really create a sense of belonging to a team well i think the the most important part there is that uh, you you have to know what the team values are or what the culture is within your organization and and within your team and Steph Duplessis a colleague of mine calls it the UGR the unwritten ground rules of the organization that are the things that we do but we don't talk about it and when the manager is coming close we stop talking so it's it's about what we feel but what we don't express and it creates the values of a team so belonging to a team means that i'm part of the team and i need to know what we really stand for and that means that you have to know your non-negotiables we we always use the the term core values but sam silverstein uses the the word non-negotiable and it is much more heavy and more valuable because I'm not going to negotiate about that core value that I have. And if I know them and my teammates knows them as well, then we are accountable to each other and we can talk about it and we can say, hey, you are doing this, but this is what we agreed on. These are our team values and why aren't you behaving the way we discussed it? And then really a team is made and you create a much more positive and open culture together. So it will create an atmosphere that we can address issues within the team. And I see a lot of teams who talk about their job, but not about the values that are the main fundament, the core fundament of their team. Mm. I suppose the question with with regards to team and, and recruitment is, you know, recruiting people who maybe you know have those values and 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 can relate to them, because um, what you what you will get in an organisation is people joining potentially with different values. Yeah, that has a confusing effect sometimes. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, a, a, a great example for me is Zappos in the US. Yeah, great company. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, and 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 when when you send in your CV, then the department of purchase will look in it and will check it and will check with different companies whether you did that job over there and then HR comes and it's not human resources anymore but human relations and they discuss with you what your core values are and what the core values are of CEPOS and whether or not they are in alignment with each other. So they work a program of six weeks to determine do you fit within our core values of our company. And that's so strong and so amazing. And maybe it doesn't fit in our rules in Europe about labor law, but it will work very nice because I'm checking with you in a nice way. Do you speak the same language as we are doing and what we try to convince all people to behave? And mm. that will be so strong. So that's what I love about Zappos, and they're having difficult times now but because they're growing so, so immense at this moment. But it's about creating 
your core values, your non-negotiables, knowing it, discussing it, spreading it, and being accountable to each other uh, on, on the core values. I think it's quite interesting. You know, Zappos is an interesting case, because I think Zappos were bought by Amazon, weren't they? Yeah. And, and, and Amazon, I think, will probably have completely different values when it comes to people than yeah. Zappos. The point was that when Tony Shea sold his shares to Amazon, they uh, asked him to stay on for at least five years because they didn't want to interfere in the way he was organizing his organization. And he is one of the few parts of Amazon that is creating profit for that organization. So I think he is right because they are doing the stuff they need to do. And I, I see a lot of organizations in Europe, like Virgin, um, Southwest Airlines in the US, Cool Blue in, in the Netherlands, who are doing exactly the same. They work on the core values of their organization and then talk to the people about it. And they're not going to fire you because you have different core values, but you have to work with the core values of the organization Otherwise, they will find a new career for you. So they're not fire, firing you, but they will find a new career. And that's a positive approach. Mm. Mm. I'm just looking at the time. We've only got about five minutes. Do we need to wrap up? So I think yeah. we, better, we better talk. We, well, we did talk a bit about C for competences. Yeah, right? we did. Um, so that's that's you know, partly been uh, being covered. And I think you know, it's just the point I was taking take, there from you chatting around competences was you know, only 25% of people having training during a year. And yet being, being given the opportunity for those people who are in, engaged and wanting to develop and grow of going on a training program, it sends a really positive message out, doesn't it, to the employee that we, we care about your development, yeah. prepared to invest in it. Well, I think that the, the, the question that's very important and a lot of organizations uh, are uh, adopting that question and that's what do you need to work here in three years time and how can I help you so it's about what do you need to do your job in three years time from now how can I help you how much time do you need to get there and if you say well I don't want to work here in three years time okay you can do some training and go somewhere else but don't get sick don't get fired, the, just stay and be productive. And what we see is that when you give people that freedom to train what they really want to do in two, three, four years' time, they are more productive in their roles now. Yeah. So you're not, you don't have to be afraid, oh, they're going to leave and we are spending money, but they will be much more productive. And we have apps on phones that we can measure their engagement. So we know whether they are engaged or not. And and when you see that someone is really engaged and wants to stay, he will be much more productive. So there is no reason to be scared if you are investing money and time in people, because when they get to that state of engagement, they will be much more profitable for your organization. Great. So, so just a question I'd like to ask before we we sort of start to summarize and ask you for final messages is for anyone out there looking for their next job, um, how would you recommend that they determine whether a company will be an engaging place for them to work? Um, I, I think um, that it's very important to 
to go to play your value game. And there are many games on the internet that, that you can find and find your own goal values. Uh, what I did was uh, asking that question and five questions to my wife, and that's tricky, uh, to colleagues and to, to customers, five people, I will ask them the same questions, how they thought that my core values look like. And they gave me enormous feedback. So it's not difficult to find your core values because other people will know them. They know what you stand for. They know what you really mean in life. And it can be a confrontation, but sometimes you need it to find out what your core values are. So go to the website, play some value game, or ask the people who are around you and, and ask them. And I can send the, the questions that we use to, to find it out and to see who you are in core values and then find out the organizations that fit in those core values. So go to their websites, find out the, what their mission statement is, their why. Then go to their how and the what and see whether you fit in or not. I think you make, you make a really interesting point there in terms of asking others because you know, a typical way of of understanding your values is maybe to you know to keep asking what's in, an individual what's important to them and, and and it coming out of them but of course people judge themselves around their intentions it's other people will judge you on the behaviors they actually see yeah that that's the point so uh, they want you to be accountable for your own core values and when they don't see it you're really in trouble whether it's in your private life or in your working life, it's not going to work when you're not true to yourself. So finding out who you are is so important and it's not something soft or whatever. It's really tough business and it, it will help you to be much more successful because a lot of people say work hard and you will be successful and happy. And I think be happy and you will be successful. It's a different approach. It is. We've got sort of one minute for this last question. And I mean, that was actually quite a nice way to end anyway. But do you have a final message that you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I, I have four short statements that, that I normally use. And it's know you're non-negotiable. We talked about it. And then make your choices. That's my slogan because... When you know your non-negotiables and you know that you don't fit in the life you're performing now, make your choice, accept the consequences, and be accountable to yourself, but also to other people. That's the most important message. Excellent. Well, it's an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Lots and lots of takeouts in there. I think uh, there's some great things there about people thinking about autonomy and belonging and competences, the importance of keep d developing people uh, so they are developing and grow. And you know, I love the uh, chatting around your walk in, to Santiago as well and thinking about that sort of connectedness and history of that and how, how do we get our people so they do feel connected um, but they also understand and, and feel the deep why around their jobs. They feel a deep sense of belonging. They're able to develop and grow and hopefully move more people into that highly engaged area to move the business along. So 
Wonderful talking with you. Um, if you want to contact Paul um, or find out more about Paul, um, www.paulterval, that's um, Paul, um, T-E-R-W-A-L, dot N-L for Netherlands, so paulterval, dot N-L. Uh, you can also email Paul at paul at paulterval, dot N-L. Um, now, next week's show, we have uh, Jill Lublin. Uh, Jill is going to talk about her uh, international bestseller, Guerrilla PR, and how we can uh, develop sort of short-term tactical PR and that really helps us move from being uh, or to be much more known in our marketplace. So do join us again for Jill uh, Lublin next week. And once again, a huge thank you to Paul Tavell Stenter from Holland. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.